When are your charter-protected rights not protected? When Section 33 of the Charter, the notwithstanding clause, is invoked. Welcome to the Unpublished Cafe. I'm Ed Hand. This week, the Ontario government announced it would be using, for the first time in this province's history, the clause to circumvent a court decision which found the Ontario government violated the Charter when it decided to pass Bill 5. That bill would see the size of Toronto City Council reduced from 47 to 25 members. It was never brought up by the Conservatives during the Ontario election campaign, and it has many people up in arms as a municipal election is underway. Detractors say this is a personal vendetta by Ford against Toronto Council. On the other hand, the Tories maintain that this is a constitutional way to get what they want as the clause is included in the Charter. While this is happening now in Ontario, some experts feel it could be used elsewhere across the country by other premiers and more often. This week on the Unpublished Cafe, we'll take a look at whether this is a harbinger of more use or this is just a one-time thing. The federal government does have something to use to override the notwithstanding clause, but the Prime Minister says he won't use it. Why? We'll chat with Caroline Andrew at the Centre on Governance at the University of Ottawa. As well, joining us on the podcast, Duff Conacher, founder and director of Democracy Watch. He's also an adjunct law and political science professor at UOttawa. As well, Toronto Danforth NDP MPP Peter Tabbins is joining us to discuss the decision. And Peter, thank you for joining us. Real pleasure, Ed. Thanks for having me on. What was your reaction to the initial court decision? Well, my reaction to the initial court decision was real pleasure that the judge had done an analysis of what the province was trying to do, what Doug Ford was trying to do, understood that it was a violation of of the rights of the people of Toronto, understood that changing the rules partway through an election was something that was completely unacceptable in terms of our democratic rights in this country. Uh, And I thought that his ruling was a fair one. So I initially was very optimistic that, in fact, a very substantial wrong was being corrected. So what was your reaction when you heard that the uh, Ontario government was going to use the notwithstanding clause? Well, shocked, but not ultimately surprised. Shocked because this is an extraordinary thing to do. We have charter rights. We have protections that we as Canadians depend on to have a democratic society, one in which everyone is is treated equally and fairly under the law. Um, But... I've been dealing with the Ford government uh, since they were elected in June. I mean, I, as a resident of Toronto, had to deal with them when the Ford brothers were running this city, and I remember the chaos and huge problems that we had then. Uh, what I've noticed since Ford became premier is a real cavalier disregard for the law on the part of this this premier uh, when he brought forward one of his first bills in which he shut down a renewable energy contract in Prince Edward County. He effectively, in his bill, said that the law of contracts did not apply, which is an extraordinary thing, uh, completely extraordinary thing. In his bill uh, regarding the uh, redesign of the Hydro One board, uh, one of the clauses exempted the government from any legal liability should they be found to have misrepresented the facts. These are two extraordinary things. Uh, This is not a man who particularly considers himself bound by the law. And so shocked that he would use it, but not surprised that, again, this premier wouldn't really care what the law had to say. So what does this say about the rule of law in Ontario now? Uh, It's shaky. And I've 
Since those initial bills that I just described came forward, I've had phone calls from journalists in the United States, business journalists, saying, what's going on up there? <laughs> don't, don't laws apply in your province anymore? And so I had to explain to them the history of, of the Ford brothers, their relationship to Toronto, um, and the attitude of this premier for whom rule of law really is not a consideration. He considered himself outside the law, above the law, not touched by the law, and clearly his remarks about the judge and about the ruling on our charter rights has demonstrated pretty fully that he doesn't think that government should be bound in any way uh, by rights legislation, by the charter, or by any other laws that are there. Now, Doug Ford has been saying his decision to reduce the size of Toronto City Council is widely popular with Torontonians. You're there, is it? No, not a bit. Uh, In fact, setting aside my experience in my writing, if you look at publicly available polling, something like half of Torontonians reject Ford's actions attacking the elections. Um, Certainly, I get very loud, sharp, comment in my writing from my constituents opposed to this. I'm not getting messages from anyone saying, gee, you know, you should back off and let Doug Ford be Doug Ford. No, people think that uh, democracy should be allowed to be democracy and that the people of Toronto, just like the people of Ottawa or Hamilton or London, should decide the shape and size of their council, not uh, a would-be dictator like Doug Ford. Now, he has said that the reason he's doing this is because Toronto City Council is dysfunctional. And again, you are there. Is nothing getting done in Toronto? Well, lots is getting done in Toronto. I mean, it's a a fairly, it's a center-right council. Um, What he's complaining about, and he talks about transit not getting built, which is actually false. You know, we've had a number of transit projects go forward in the last... 10 years. Um, He talks about the housing crisis not being addressed. Well, frankly, the city of Toronto doesn't have the financial or legislative power to address the housing crisis. Uh, The problems that he is saying arise from the function of Toronto Council actually arise much more from a failure of provincial governments to invest and act in concert with the city. So this is not a man for whom Truth is a common friend. Uh, Truth is a stranger to Doug Ford. Peter Tabbins is joining us on the Unpublished Cafe. He's the MPP for Toronto Danforth and a member of the official opposition. Now, disallowance is available for the federal government to use in, in a situation like this, but we've already heard from the prime minister he won't. Should they? Should the federal government intervene? Well, I think when... When the the charter is abused in the way that it's been abused, when it's clearly arising from the actions of one man who's carrying out a vendetta, uh, then the federal government should, in fact, be acting to protect the interests of the people of Ontario. Now, I have real doubts that Justin Trudeau will actually do that, um, but I think if there's any case that's ever going to present itself saying, here we have someone who's abusing the notwithstanding clause, this is it. Uh, Are you concerned that this will become used every time this government doesn't like a court decision? And there's a few court decisions coming down the pipe, isn't there? Yes. 
Well, he'll use it where the charter is of consequence. So uh, there are going to be challenges to his actions on repealing sex education, uh, human rights-related challenges. So I would not be surprised if he used notwithstanding clause in that instance if the ruling was against his direction. Uh, there's a court case that's going to be coming up about his failure to comply with the Environmental Bill of Rights in the action he took against cap and trade. Now, that isn't something that the Charter of Rights and Freedoms would apply to. And so if he lost, that's not something he could use the notwithstanding clause uh, to bring about the result he wants. Uh, but I don't think he particularly has respect for the courts or for rule of law. And I think wherever he thinks he can use a notwithstanding clause to overturn a judicial decision, um, I don't see why he would hesitate for a moment to do that. That would not be his character to hesitate to ignore the law. You know, I, I, I was a little surprised to see yesterday that actually former Prime Minister Brian Mulroney came out against uh, such a move and actually spoke glowingly about the, ju- the judicial system in Canada. Uh, yeah. What's that tell you about the Conservatives right now? Well, you know, it, it's very interesting because I've been politically involved for a little while. Um, and there are your standard Tory blue business Conservatives, and then you have your, your right-wing ideologues and populists. And what we have with Doug Ford is much more your right-wing ideologue and populist rather than your standard business conservative. And as much as I disagree with standard business conservatives, they typically tend to see rule of law as something that Mm. (laughs) should be operative. Uh, And I don't think that that's anything that really is of consequence to Doug Ford and his ilk. You know, you mentioned uh, that you were hearing from U.S. business reporters about, or in businesses in general, about, you know, uh, what's going on about the rule of law up in Ontario. And, yeah. you know, what what does this send to, to businesses outside the country, outside the province that might want to do business here? Well, I think it says to them that a contract signed with the government of Ontario uh, is not something that you can count on. The word of Ontario... Uh, as spoken by Doug Ford, is not something that is going to be the bond for the province at all. Uh, So be very cautious in dealing with these people because you may find yourself out of luck with no legal recourse, even though you had thought previously there would be legal recourse, that there would be uh, a legal option to protect yourself. No, I think that's something that Mr. Ford wants to sweep away. What will you be doing to make uh, the Conservatives accountable from your side uh, of the the aisle on the opposition? Well, we use many of the standard things that parliamentarians use. I mean, we go after them in question period. We go after them in debates. Um, But beyond that, talking to people outside the legislature, trying to mobilize people politically to show this government that they don't have the support or endorsement of the larger population, and that increasingly the numbers that they counted on when they were elected in June are going to melt away because people in a democracy like the idea that their rights are protected. Uh, Many Canadians died to make sure we had a democratic system. Uh, Canadians don't like the idea that 
it's going to be swept away by anyone, frankly. And I think increasingly as people understand that this man sees himself above the law uh, and not interested in democratic norms, that that is going to affect his his, uh, electability and his popularity. Peter, I want to thank you for joining us. Ed, it was a real pleasure. I'm glad you're doing this story, and I appreciate the chance to speak to it. Peter Tabbins is the MPP for Toronto Danforth and member of the official opposition. I will point out that once again I invited a member of the government, this time Lisa McLeod, to join us. But like the many other invitations, I received no response. To look a little deeper at the move by the Ontario Conservatives, I am pleased to be joined by Duff Conacher, founder and director of Democracy Watch, as well as an adjunct professor at the University of Ottawa on political science and law. And Duff, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Many call this move to use the notwithstanding clause undemocratic. Is it undemocratic when the clause itself is in the Charter? It is. Uh, in this particular situation, um, it, uh, because the, neither uh, Doug Ford nor anyone in the Progressive Conservative Party mentioned that they were going to cut Toronto City Council during the election. Uh, they then didn't consult on making that change even though he had said consultation was very important on changing the uh, whole um, sex ed uh, uh, program in schools and and that they were stopping that change that the Liberals had made and starting consultation again because consultation had not been extensive enough, even though 4,000 people had been consulted, and they were going to go back and consult people again. So it's it's just hypocritical. It wasn't in the election platform. It violates voters' rights because none of the people who voted for the Conservative Party voted for that change. And then to say, as well, even though we didn't mention it in the uh, election platform either, we're going to use the notwithstanding clause to override any court ruling that stops us or, uh, from doing what we want to do and says we violated the Constitution. I mean, again, not anything that voters voted for, not anything that was mentioned. So in all those ways, it's undemocratic to go ahead with with this. Now, uh, looking back at the coming together of the Charter, this clause was seen as a deal-breaker, and is this the reason why? Yes. Pierre Trudeau, Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau, did not support it, um, but he wanted the Charter. And the provincial premiers, several of them at the time, back in, uh, in 1980, 1982, were concerned about the power of the courts to stop them from doing what they wanted to do whenever they wanted to do it. And so they insisted on this being put in. Uh, It's been used very rarely, only in three provinces and the Yukon Territory once. Uh, And in those provinces, um, for example, in Alberta, uh, Ralph Klein, Premier, went to use it a couple of times and in the end backed off because of the public backlash. it it usually has only been used in very fundamental uh, areas of conflicts of rights, like religious rights um, and uh, language rights, where the, for example, the Quebec government has felt we need to protect uh, francophone uh, and the French language, and so we're going to uh, use the notwithstanding clause to uphold laws that require French signs and things like that, even though the the courts ruled that those were unconstitutional because they felt it was so fundamental to Quebec society that Frank, that French language be protected. It's been in those kind of cases that governments have used it, and very rarely. So it's it's really unprecedented and quite dangerous for Doug Ford to use it in this case and to say he's going to use it whenever the courts 
find that he or his government have violated the Constitution. Well, I, that's what I was going to ask is what, what's it say about the government when it just uses a clause in a court, you know, it uses that clause against every court decision it just doesn't like? Essentially, Doug Ford is saying, I don't care about the law. And, you know, he said he, yesterday he respects the courts. Uh, no, you don't. If you are going to use a, a very rare, uh, rarely used measure to override court rulings, that's not respect for the courts. And he said, I'm elected, the judge is appointed, and we get to do what we want uh, because we're elected. And that's democracy. That's not democracy. Democracy includes this very important concept called the rule of law, which means no one is above the law, not the premier, not anyone, especially our supreme law, the Constitution, and, and uh, the Bill of Rights, our Charter of Rights and Freedoms in that, that protects, is there to protect citizens from abuses of power by politicians and government officials. And so he's essentially saying, I don't care. I will use this uh, measure to override any court ruling and go ahead and violate the Constitution again and again if I want to, to do what I want, whenever I want. Now, you brought up the point about uh, Doug Ford saying, well, he was elected and, and the judge w- was appointed. Does he have a point there? Or, you know, that judge is appointed by elected officials? Uh, the judge is appointed by elected officials. There is not enough independence uh, in the judicial advisory committees, as they're called, at the federal level uh, that lead to appointments of Ontario judges. Uh, All the Ontario judges except the provincial court judges are appointed by the federal government, actually. Um, And the reason there isn't enough independence in those committees uh, that uh, choose uh, people from amongst lawyers in the province who are eligible to become judges and, and are recommended to become judges is that the federal minister of justice gets to appoint a lot of the people on those committees. Uh, but it's not the minister of justice who uh, makes the recommendations. It is the committees that come up with the list. And so at least it's a different group of people besides a politician who are coming up with the list. But there should be more independence. The government shouldn't have any appointees on those committees. Those committees should come from uh, sitting judges from law, lawyer associations and from lay people who are appointed through an independent process. Um, because it's very, very important that the courts be independent of politicians. Now, this particular judge that ruled against Doug Ford was appointed by Paul Martin. But, you know, Paul Martin, Doug Ford was uh, not a, a, a politician, a provincial politician, or even looking to become premier when Paul Martin was prime minister now 15 years ago. So it's not um, like there's any connection that Paul Martin appointed this guy with the thought of stopping Doug Ford 15 years later from doing something. Mm -hmm. So I don't think anyone can point to the partisanship of this judge. Um, And it's also hypocritical what Doug Ford is saying. He's saying, well, the judge can't just make a new law with this ruling. Well, it's only a new ruling on new grounds because what Doug Ford did, stopping an election in the city of Toronto in the middle of the election campaign, is new as well. It's never been done before. So the judge had to look at this new situation caused by Doug Ford's uh, unprecedented action of stopping an election in the middle of the election campaign and say, what do I do with this when I look at the charter? So that's the only reason it's new law is because it was a new situation. 
there no premier has ever tried to stop a municipal election right in the middle of the of the election and so uh of course it's new law because Doug's Ford law was new as well Duff Conacher is joining us on the Unpublished Cafe. He's the founder and director of Democracy's Watch, as well as adjunct professor of political science and law at the University of Ottawa. And, you know, if this continues on, do you see a, a real chill developing on the ju- judiciary in this country? No, I think the judiciary will um, continue to issue the rulings they issue. Uh, it actually, I think, would backfire on the government, uh, any government that says we're just going to override court rulings, because there's a political cost to overriding court rulings. And I think what actually it'll do is push judges to say, okay, I'm looking at this case, and, you know, it's pretty even on both sides. I could either let the government off uh, on this, or I could find the government violated the Constitution. I think you'll find more judges in Ontario finding the government violated the Constitution when they have that those kind of hard cases before them where it's not really clear where to draw the line. And then that will uh, mean Doug Ford will then uh, use this notwithstanding clause more, and it will face a political cost because a lot of those cases, uh, voters will support the court ruling. Uh, So I think he's actually shooting himself in the foot by um, taking this strategy and saying he'll use it again and again. Now that Ford's used it for the first time ever in Ontario, and it's been used, to, you know, as you mentioned in Quebec, uh, Yukon wants Saskatchewan as well, I, I, and uh, you know, outspread Alberta had backed off. I'm wondering, are, are you expecting with Ford's move here that other premiers in this country could do the same thing? Um, it depends on the how much pushback he faces, and uh, we'll see what. Conservative MPPs do especially. I think they should really look to the lesson in Alberta where the government proposed it and backed off. There were protesters at the opening of uh, the legislature today protesting uh, Doug Ford bullying uh, the province of Ontario with this, uh, saying he's going to violate the Constitution. So um, it'll depend on the pushback, I think. And I could see one possible candidate currently that's uh, running um, in the Alberta election, Jason Kenney, kind of having that same attitude because he comes out of the Harper Conservative government federally, and there were a lot of clashes between the Harper Conservatives and the courts, with Harper uh, criticizing the, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court at one point, completely unjustifiably. Um, so that's one. Um, it seems like just from looking at how he's acted so far, Maxime Bernier, if he happened to win the next election with this new party that he's saying he's going to start, would be the, uh, another person that would take that kind of attitude, that he gets to do whatever he wants whenever he wants. Um, but I don't see other leaders right now across the country taking that attitude uh, or showing any kind of sense that they believe the court should be disregarded just because they disagree with them. Is this a position now where the federal government could use disallowance, and, and do you want them to? Uh, no, I don't think the federal government should do mm-hmm. it. It was um, a measure put into the uh, 1867 Constitution. It hasn't been used in 75 years. And um, it was there essentially because um, the uh, the founders especially John A. MacDonald, felt 
we really need to have a centralized government with most of the power in the federal government because uh, it's going to be difficult to hold the federation together if we allow the provinces to go off and do what they want. Um, but the country's changed since then uh, very much, mm-hmm. and the provinces have much clearer jurisdiction over what they have power over. And the courts have ruled on all sorts of cases in terms of federal and provincial powers under the Constitution, and it's pretty well established um, what the feds are allowed to do and what the provinces are allowed to do, except with new industries that that come up that uh, weren't anticipated in 1867. And so for all those reasons, um, the federal government, I think, should uh, should not... Uh, it would just be as bad as what Ford is doing for the federal government to step in and say, we're going to use this thing that's never been used in the last 75 years just because we don't like what Doug Ford's doing. Now, this, this is the first time it's used in Ontario. Uh, we mentioned about 15 times Quebec, Saskatchewan, and Yukon. Now, I'm wondering, did the provincial governments that use the notwithstanding clause, were they impacted uh, at the ballot box in the next election? Uh, the ones that used it? Yep. No, generally they were um, standing up for something where, like uh, French language rights in Quebec, right? There you have a majority of the population is French speaking, so um, they were uh, defending the major what the majority want, and uh, that's why Doug Ford is also on shaky ground. Uh, majority voted against the Conservatives; uh, they only received forty percent of the vote. Only 58% of voters turned out, so it's really only 23% of eligible voters actually cast a ballot in favor. And um, so this kind of action is is quite dangerous, I think, for a, a party that uh, has such a, a low level of support that gave them their majority. Duff, I want to thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Duff Conacher is the founder and director of Democracy Watch, as well as an adjunct professor of political science and law at the University of Ottawa. Now, as mentioned previously, the federal government does have something that could possibly be used to counter the notwithstanding clause. It's called disallowance, which, as it implies, allows the federal government to disallow a provincial law. Carolyn Andrew is the director of the Center on Governance at the University of Ottawa, and she joins us now. And Carolyn, you know, let, let's talk first about that court decision regarding Bill 5. What was your view on that? Well, I thought it was a good decision because I think it's uh, the decision to cut the council has just put the elections into a terrible mess. And right in the middle of when people are starting to canvass or have been canvassing, it just was, a, I thought it was a... Just a terrible decision for all kinds of reasons that I won't go into now, but I thought it was a terrible decision, uh, a great decision of the court, a terrible decision to to cut the council, and a great decision of the judge to say that it wasn't uh, acceptable and it shouldn't be accepted. And then this morning or last night to discover that Ford intends to call back the legislature and push through the bill uh, on the non-withstanding clause, which is just raising the the, the debate. I, I don't quite, he seems to have become, I suppose there are reasons why he's become sort of adamant that he wants to show that it's the government that decides and it isn't the 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 lawyers and all those fancy guys. Uh, So I think he is, in a way, appealing to part of his electorate. And um, but uh, doing it at uh, seems to me a 
terrific cost to our system of government. What, what does it say about the rule of law in Ontario when this clause is being used just because they disagree with a court decision? Yeah, no, I think it, it, it just raises, brings into all kinds of worries about the system of law and the, and the prevalence of law in our society. To do that just on a, a sort of a, a, a decided just to push, I'm going to push because this is what I want and I'm the big, the big boss is I think just a profound misunderstanding of our system in Canada. But as I also said, I think it is appealing to part of his electorate. Now, as I mentioned, disallowance is something the federal government has the the option of using. Uh, is this something where, is this a circumstance where it could be used? Or do you think because it's so old, it wouldn't be? Well, it's been used so rarely. Um, it will be interesting to see because I think one part of this whole background is a fight, uh, sort of a political fight between conservative Ontario and the federal government. So I think in terms of, um, and the federal government also facing an election, they might be tempted uh, to uh, to say no to his decision uh, to the non-standing clause because there, I think there is a, this sort of battle for um, for the popular for the fo- popular vote for uh, Ford to win the next election big, but I think he'd also like to have something to say about defeating the the liberals and the the federal liberals. So it it's it's sort of crazy because. It's not about the same level of government. We're not talking federal-federal. We're talking province to federal government. But there seems to be sort of a political fight going on. Um, and and as I say, a sort of a, an obstination of uh, the Premier of Ontario to just say, I want to do this, I'm going to do it, cost is no concern, you know, principles are of no concern. I wanted to do this because I don't like politicians except for me and my my politicians. I don't like this, and I'm going to just uh, ram it down everybody's neck. I'm, I'm calling back the legislature. Uh, my guys and girls, a few girls, will vote for the... Uh, to. Um, to go ahead with the original decision. Carolyn Andrew is uh, joining us, the director uh, with the Center on Governance at the University of Ottawa. And, you know, when we talked about that uh, court decision and now the government wanting to use the notwithstanding clause, does an appeal of that decision by the province mean anything if the ruling come back, comes back the same? I, 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 in some way, I don't know that, the legal technicalities, but I think he will ram it in. I think he will go back to the original legislation, and I would imagine that it will be, as it was before, contested by a number of groups by saying that it is absolutely uh, against, it wreaks havoc to the municipal elections. It's a very important, uh, Toronto is the biggest Canadian city, so it has ramifications for not only 
Toronto, but all the big cities, uh, because even though constitutionally it's a provincial responsibility, we know that in today's world, the big cities are gaining uh, more, are giving more services, doing more interesting things. So there is an evolution uh, despite the constitution that's that's an interesting evolution of the big cities and so I think he's in a way he's just uh, uh, pushing even though he you know he's got a lot of supporters in Toronto but I think he's he's really pushing to say you know this is my decision and it's my it's my constitutional decision and I'm just going to push it down your throats. Now, the Prime Minister has said, quote, I'll trust that Ontarians will reflect on whether or not the provincial government made the right decision on overriding the Charter of Rights and Freedoms on this issue. How do you see this as helping or hindering the Liberals in the next federal election? Well, I think it's, I think in a way it's helping them um, because it's saying that, you know, they're taking the, the stand in in favor of you know doing uh, believing in in decisions of the judges and i think it's also uh perhaps a sort of a political uh opportunity for the federal government because i think it's going to allow them to start trying to talk to the big cities in in Ottawa, uh, sorry, in Canada, starting, of course, with Toronto, and try and do a sort of a political alliance, because the federal government has no constitutional authority, but it has a whole bunch of uh, ways of influencing the big cities. It controls trains, it gives a lot of... does a lot of money to housing. It has made a lot of promises, not so much money just now, but for daycare. So it controls a lot of the the objectives that are extremely popular now, especially the young middle class who understands how much they get from municipal government services. So I think it is in a way... Uh, a political kind of opportunity for the federal government to sort of weigh in. Now, whether it'll weigh in so hard or whether it'll just say, you know, this is a terrible decision. Um, you're, you're really making, uh, it's really a bad decision for the Canadian rule, for the way we believe in the rule of law. But I think politically, they may be interested in this sort of way of creating some sort of an alliance. And of course, if you get major votes uh, from all the big cities in Canada, you're going to win every election that you can win because uh, the population is massively urban. And if you just include the 10 biggest cities, it's really... uh, it's really an urban country, and I think the federal government can, has a lot of ways into that, as I say, especially on the transportation uh, money and especially on housing and, of course, daycare. 
how do you see it impacting the federal conservatives? Will 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 they wear have to wear it if public sentiment goes against Ford? I think it will be. Uh, that certainly could be a a bad thing for the federal conservatives if if the reaction to Ford is to for Trudeau to play a bigger role because he's. Of course, like every politician, worried about the next election, and I think. Uh, but Ford seems clearly much more interested, though he's allied to the federal conservatives. He seems much more interested simply in his uh, victory and his majority, and so I don't think he's as committed to sort of. Um, pulling out all the you know, weight he can to support the federal conservatives. I think he's much more interested at the moment just to fight the mm-hmm. federal liberals. Caroline, I want to thank you for joining us. No, it's a pleasure. It's such an interesting uh, things that are happening these days. So it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Caroline Andrew is the director at the Center on Governance at the University of Ottawa. Now it's time for you to weigh in on the issue. Should the notwithstanding clause be removed from the Charter of Rights and Freedoms? You can log on and vote at unpublished.vote, and I look forward to seeing your responses. Thanks for listening to the Unpublished Cafe. I'm Ed Hand.